But I do believe that the Lord has already confirmed His Word today. But I asked Him and I had to pray. First of all, if you're sitting here, maybe you don't understand what's going on. I prayed that you would have understanding. That God would give you understanding. And if you don't understand, please ask me. Reach out to me. Let me explain to you. Because, folks, this is the Spirit of the Lord at work. God knew what He was doing from the moment He woke me up at 3.36 on Wednesday morning until the moment this service started. God prepared as I prayed. He prepared your hearts and minds for what He was already speaking. And I take this very seriously today. I'm not going to ask you to stand with me because I'm going to go through this kind of quickly. If uh, Lauren can stick with me, I'll be reading from the iPad because the screen's not working in the back, but hopefully it'll be on your screen for you. Mark chapter 2. Verses 18 through 20. This was a discussion about fasting amongst the disciples. Once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, Why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then... They will fast. I want you to note Jesus' words there in that passage of Scripture. Then they will fast. Jesus knew that there would come a time when he would not be physically present any longer with his disciples, with the church. That perilous times would come when supernatural strength would be needed. And then they will fast. That's what he was saying. In those days, they will fast. Church, we are living in those days today. The bridegroom is absent with us. He is here in spirit, but he's not here in body. And our need for spiritual power is so very great. And Jesus intends for us to seek after God with great prayer and fasting. And I've already told you about what happened this past Wednesday morning. I put that in my notes. The Lord began to speak to me some things. I already had a message. But today, I've got to speak to you for just a few moments about a time of prayer and fasting. Normally, I pray over the Word, but I believe God's already done the work. So here we go. I believe that there's some great power in the principles of prayer with fasting. But so many people either A, ignore fasting. They say, it's not for me. Or B, they misunderstand what fasting is all about and what is required for true Christian fasting. And in order to fully understand this, we need to examine another passage of Scripture. In the book of Matthew, chapter 17, I'm going to read 21 verses. They're going to put it on the screen for you. Stay with me. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and he led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured, Jesus was before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, you think what's going on in this building strange this morning? While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice come out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, do not be afraid. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. 
Now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. And his disciples asked him saying, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Jesus answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already, and they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wish. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. This was before, of course, the crucifixion. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. And when they had come To the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic, and he suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, that's us, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? He said, how long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon. Epilepsy is a sickness. Epilepsy is a medical condition. But Jesus rebuked the demon. And it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately, And said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, that's a tiny bit, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Some of y'all got some mountains this morning. But if you have a faith, a tiny bit of faith, you can say to that mountain, be moved in the name of Jesus, and it will move. And nothing shall be impossible for you. Watch this. However, this kind doesn't go out except by prayer and fasting. In this passage of Scripture, Jesus returns from his transfiguration. And he had been aside in the mountains with Peter, James, and John. And upon his return down, his ascent from the mountain, they are met by other disciples in the crowd of people who were following Jesus to see the miracles that he might perform. And the very first thing that Jesus was met with, the very first thing that was waiting for Jesus when he came down off that mountain was an unmet need. Notice what verse 16 said. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. See, there was a need there that Jesus' disciples couldn't meet. It was beyond their resources, human or spiritual. Previous to this, Jesus had already given his disciples, if you read in the word, authority to heal the sick and to cast out demons in his name. And they went about preaching Jesus' message of the kingdom of God, and they healed and they delivered just as Jesus said they would. But now they have struck a need that is obviously too great for them. This young man was so violently afflicted with epilepsy. But the epilepsy, which was a medical condition, was also a devil that was tormenting him. Do you get that? 
And the disciples, no matter what they attempted, had been unable to deal with it. There was an unmet need. Now, I want to ask you, let's don't be too quick this morning to criticize the disciples for their inability here in this passage of Scripture. I've heard it preached a lot of ways, and it's easy to throw off on those disciples. But if we're going to be real this morning, haven't we all been in those places where we've tried with everything that we have to find an answer in our lives or in the life of somebody else needing help? We've tried everything. We've exhausted all all of our spiritual resources, and still the need is seemingly unmet. Anybody ever been there? The sickness remains. The situation is unchanged. The person is unaffected or unsaved or unchallenged. The need is unmet. What are we to do? So Jesus comes down from the mountain where he and his closest associates have been in prayer. That's why it's so important. They've been in the very presence of God, but they come down the mountain to be faced with this unmet need. They come down from the very presence of God where anything and everything is perfect and the possibilities are unlimited, but they come back to the grim realities of life. Have you ever been in a place where you felt like you really prayed and you felt the presence of God, but later on you had to come down off the mountain and still the reality slapped you in the face. That's what happened to them. So they come down, and they're still confronted by that dilemma, by that situation. And Jesus and those disciples came down from that mountaintop experience to face an unmet need. But I want to tell you something. I praise God this morning that Jesus is the master of unmet needs. Did you hear me? Why is it in the church we've come to the place where we're so ashamed to admit a need. This isn't about trying to make everybody think we're perfect. This is about coming together to worship and draw strength from the Lord and one another. Why do we try to, why do we try to put on a mask and hide our faces? Angie and I walked into Lowe's in London yesterday. And right now I don't even know which project we were going in for. But anyway, we walked in Lowe's in London yesterday. We had our mask on and we met a lady that, uh, that we know and we were smiling and speaking to her under the mask, but she didn't recognize us. You know why? We were masked. I think sometimes, I'm just going to say this this morning, the church is the biggest hypocrites that ever lived sometimes. We want to mask up everything and act like we're perfect, and ain't none of us perfect. There ain't none of us righteous. No, not one. It's what the Word says. I'm glad to know that because i got some faults and flaws of my own. Just ask the three that live with me. I've got them. Jesus is the master of the unmet need. It's time the church, I'm not talking about for the social distancing, and I'm not talking about the, the virus is real, but I'm talking about in the spiritual. It's time the church takes off the mask and puts out the unmet need. We're supposed to pray for one another, not talk about each other. Hello, somebody. We're supposed to pray for one another and encourage one another, not run each other down. Hello, somebody. Jesus is the master of the unmet need. I want us to look at verses 17 and 18 very quickly. I'm just going to take 10 more minutes. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation. Now, if you've ever wondered how Jesus feels about us sometimes, there it is. Faithless and perverse generation. How long do I have to deal with you? It's exactly what he's saying. How long am I going to have to bear with you? How long am I going to have to deal with you? 
bring that boy here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from epilepsy, a medical condition that very hour. Jesus rebuked the devil. Sometimes I think we've got physical illnesses, but sometimes I also think we've got a devil that's attacked our physical bodies. And in a moment of time, just like that, Jesus turns the situation around. What was seemingly impossible has been accomplished. When all the resources were expended, Jesus reaches out His miracle-working hand and supernatural power flows from that hand. Now, at the beginning of every year in this church, we fast and we pray corporately as a church body. And one of the reasons we couple our prayer or we combine our prayer with fasting is because of the unmet needs. Every one of us, I would venture to say, still have lost family members and friends that need to be saved. But by the way, I give glory to God this morning. Beth Ann's mama, Lisa, rededicated her life in this altar today. We ought to praise the Lord for that. When we planted this church, we quickly discovered, you've heard me say this many times, that there were 400 homes just within a stone's throw distance of this church, and only 100 of them told us they went to church anywhere. That's been seven years, and not a whole lot about that has changed. There are people in this church and in our families that desperately need to be divinely healed. Can I hear an amen? Anybody need a divine healing? Delivered from addiction. Sometimes we're afraid to admit our addictions. But we've got people who need to be delivered from addiction, who need to be set free from addiction. Or they need a spiritual breakthrough. Could anybody use a spiritual breakthrough about right now? There are people all around us who need to experience what God will do for them in this place and in that new beautiful campus that's going to be, man, I've seen some of the stuff that the design committee is doing. It's going to be beautiful. But there are people that are going to be in that place and this place that need to experience what we claim that God will do for them at Freedom Point Church, and that is that the, the, they come in bound, but they leave set free by the power of God. They need to experience that. And so... All of what was going on was very wonderful, but it starts the disciples' minds racing. There's no longer an unmet need, but now they've been left with an unanswered question. Verse 19, Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and asked, Why could we not cast it out? See, they'd had answers to prayer before. They'd ministered effectively at times. They'd had some successes. So what was different this time? Why could we not cast out that demon? Why could we not see that medical condition healed. Think about that. Oh, Lord, we tried everything we knew. We prayed just as we've heard you pray for people. And sometimes I believe we're guilty of this. Like good old Pentecostals, we get louder and louder. We pray harder and harder. We get sweatier and sweatier. But what went wrong? We get so frustrated. What? Where did we go wrong? I don't know about you. But I've prayed sometimes and been right where those disciples are with an unanswered question. Why, Lord, could we not cast it out? Why could we not get the victory? But to their question, Jesus gives an unexpected reply. I'm going to finish off with verses 20 and 21. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, why is it in the church today when somebody gets diagnosed with a terminal illness, 
we act like there's no hope for them. God help us. I'm going to be real this morning. Why do we act like because somebody with some medical knowledge has looked them in the face and said, we can't do anything for you. We act like we can't do anything for them either. But our hope doesn't end in man. Our hope is in God. And although man might say, I don't know what I can do for you, that's all right. I know a God that can do anything where nothing shall be impossible for him. So Jesus said to them, as I believe he's saying to the church today, because you don't believe, because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you'd get just a little bit of faith about you, just an ounce of faith about you, you could say to this mountain to move from here to there, and it'll move. And nothing will be impossible for you. But hold up. This kind don't go out, but by prayer and fasting. Now, if you've got an NIV version of your Bible, you'll notice that verse 21 is missing. The text jumps from verse 20 to verse 22. It's just another reason why, and this don't cost you anything, you ought to compare all other translations with the King James or the New King James. Then you'll know what to use. I am not a KJV-only Bible preacher because I like a lot of the translations. But you ought to compare everything just so you know what you're missing. The translators decided to translate from a Greek manuscript that didn't have that particular line in it. And the majority of the old Greek uh, manuscripts, however, do have that line in them. And I believe that's a serious omission. And what's more is if you look at it, I didn't give Lauren this one, but it's recounted again in Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 29. Jesus says, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. And then this time around, don't ask me why, but the NIV does include that verse, but it drops the word and the words and fasting. It drops those off. I think the enemy will try to do anything to keep the church from fasting. Let me paraphrase what's being said here. Jesus is saying, guys, you only need a little bit of faith and you can move mountains. Let me encourage you. Don't doubt the power of faith in God for a moment. That's what Jesus is saying. However, I'm going to give you a little bit of advice. This kind of spiritual problem does not go out except by prayer and fasting. There are needs that are especially great, church. I'm almost done. Obstacles that have a whole different dimension of difficulty about them. And some things require a specific breakthrough in the heavenlies. They are spiritual problems. Spiritually discerned. And they require spiritual power to break them. Did you hear me? Can I tell you this morning, listen to your pastor, because I am almost done. Any attack on your home, be it your marriage, be it your children, or both, any attack against your home is a spiritual problem. Did you hear me? Any attack against your finances where you can't do what God's Word teaches you to do with your finances, and that is to give Him the first tenth, and you enjoy the other nine tenths, any attack against your ability to do that is a spiritual problem. Did you hear me? 
Any attack within your workplace or your school, if you ever get to go back, is a spiritual problem. Did you hear me? Any attack, listen to me, against your physical body, even if it's totally physical and it's not necessarily the devil attacking your body, it's a sickness and a disease you've got to deal with, I can promise you it's also a spiritual attack on your faith. If you don't believe it is, you wait until you're the one that's sick. You wait until you're the one that's diagnosed. So any attack on your physical body is also a spiritual attack on your faith. The reality is that any attack, however it may come, that causes stress, worry, anxiety, strain, frustration, doubt, or confusion in your mind, is a spiritual problem. We must recognize it for what it is. And we must battle it the only way that we can. And that is, in the armor of God, on our knees, in prayer, with fasting, where we see breakthroughs, in the heavenlies. I got good news for you today. Jesus says there's a way that we can obtain the spiritual power that we need. And here's the subject, subject or the substance, if you will, of my message today. Godly prayer combined with fasting releases breakthrough spiritual when Jesus was led up into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by the devil, he entered into a prolonged season of prayer and fasting. Forty days without bread or water. And Luke 14, or 4 and 14 records that after the time he returned, the word said, in the power of the Spirit. When he returned, he came back in the power of the Spirit. Now Jesus was continually anointed by God since his baptism, but something was clearly released in a whole new dimension through that period of prayer and fasting. Otherwise, Luke would not have mentioned it the way that he does. When he returned, he returned, he said, in the power of the Spirit. I'm going to say it again. Godly prayer combined with fasting releases breakthrough spiritual power. Jesus knew the great value of fasting, and it seems that he developed a lifestyle of, of prayer and fasting. It's clear to us that prior to this incident with this demon-possessed boy, uh, he could have cast it out. Jesus could have, but after this time of prayer and fasting, what did Jesus specifically say? You can't do this. This kind don't come out except by prayer and fasting. So it's obvious that Jesus had been fasting. Jesus was ready for every occasion of life and ministry because he developed a lifestyle of prayer with fasting. There is great power released through the principles of prayer and fasting. Now, if they come to the music this morning, you ask me why. Well, to be honest, I don't understand it all, but there's a lot about prayer that's a great mystery. A lot about prayer is a great mystery. Why does God move in answer to prayer? Why does God require us to pray? Because he wants us to be totally and utterly dependent on Him. He wants us to recognize our need for Him. I want to share a quote with you this morning as I close by E.M. Bounds, if they'll put it on the screen. And here's what E.M. Bounds said. He said, God's cause is committed to men. God commits Himself to men. And He's talking about men and women both. Praying men and women are the vice regents of God. 
praying people do his work and they carry out his plans. God does nothing except in an answer to believing prayer. And why is so fasting so productive in releasing spiritual power? Quickly, I want to share three things about that with you this morning. First of all, fasting reminds us of our humanity. If you don't understand why we fast, it's always good to be reminded about our humanity when we come to God. To come to God feeling a sense of helplessness is not a handicap. Did you hear me? But it's a head start. When you come to God with a sense of helplessness, it casts us upon God. It makes us dependent. And oh, how most of us hate to feel dependent on anybody. So fasting reminds us of our humanity. Secondly, fasting humbles us. Or it should. There's self, something called self-denial involved. When we deny the physical appetites of our body for a time to humble ourselves before God who has all the answers for our lives and we're telling Him, I'm denying myself, God, because I need you to move. Fasting's a sign of our desire. We're saying when we fast, that seeking God is more important to us. Feeding the spiritual man is more important to us right now. Getting a spiritual breakthrough is more important to us right now than enjoying a big meal. We've got a passion for God that supersedes everything else in our lives. It's not that we're trying to twist God's arm, because that's the wrong attitude, but a genuine display of the earnestness of our desire for God to move. So fasting is very significant. When you fast, we're not supposed to fast like the hypocrites. Matthew 6 and 16 says, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they'll ever get. That's what the Word said. Fasting should also, for the most part, be done in secret. Matthew 6 and 18. Then no one will notice that you're fasting. You don't have to put on Facebook. My church has called a three-day fast this week so that everybody knows. Then no one will notice that you're fasting except the Father who knows what you do in private. And your Father, who sees everything in private, it will reward you openly. That's what the Word said. On most occasions, only your spouse needs to know that you're fasting. The exception to this rule, and I'm closing right now, is corporate fasting, which there's numerous biblical examples of in the Bible, times that God called His people to prayer. But fasting is always in the Bible coupled with or combined with fervent prayer. There's no spiritual benefit in hunger alone. Thinking you're going to lose 10 pounds in the next three days, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Hello. Dieting is not fasting. You've got to couple it with prayer. See, Jesus said in this passage of Scripture I opened with, and the Lord's really helped me. I've covered everything today. He said that His disciples would not always have the physical presence of the bridegroom, speaking of Himself. And He said, and then they will fast. I shared with you what the Lord spoke to me at 3.36 this past Wednesday morning. I want to close again with this scripture. Joel 1 and 14. Announce a time of fasting. Joel 1 and 14. Announce a time of fasting. I've done that this morning. Tuesday at 6 a.m. until Friday at 6 a.m. However the Lord directs you. If you want to do three full days, do it. If you have to take food and water with your medication, don't do it that don't fast everything. Do what you can do and watch what God will do. 
sanctify fast. Set it aside yourself between you and God. God, from Tuesday at 6 a.m. till Friday at 6 a.m., this is what I'm going to do. That's why I'm giving you tomorrow, all day today and tomorrow to do that. Set aside, sanctify your fast. I've announced the time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. We're here. Bring the leaders and all the people in the land into the temple of the Lord your God and cry out to him there. If you'll stand with me all over the building. We've already had a wonderful altar call. But please don't leave because I've got something I want to say before we close. But right now, I'm calling the people of Freedom Point Church together for a solemn meeting. This is our opportunity for a solemn meeting right here today in the temple of the Lord our God. For just a brief moment while they play and sing again, we're going to cry out to Him right here. Maybe you didn't do it earlier. Maybe you didn't cry out the way you should have. But I want to ask you, once again, do you need healing in your mind or your body? Do you need God to do something for you or your family? Do you need God to move a mountain that you cannot move? Or maybe this one. Do you feel spiritually dry? Do you feel powerless against the world and the enemy? Do you need a renewal? If so, we're going to cry out to Him here. We're going to commit to Him that we're going to fast and we're going to pray. I want to tell you something right now. Blind Bartimaeus didn't let pride stop him from crying out. When Jesus passed by, oh, I feel the Lord when I say this. Some of y'all say, oh, here he goes. He wants us to do something awkward. And he wants us to cry out and raise our voices. Yeah, I do. Because if you've got a need, I want you to cry out. Blind Bartimaeus didn't let pride stop him. When he saw Jesus coming by, he said, oh, son of David, have mercy on me. Zacchaeus didn't let pride stop him from climbing up a tree so he could see Jesus and Jesus could see him so that as Jesus came by, he could cry out and say, Jesus, I need you today. Would you come to my house? Oh, the woman at the well didn't let pride stop her from crying out to Jesus. She, uh, When she left that well, she ran back to the other town and she said, come see a man. Come meet a man who told me everything I've ever done. Come meet a man named Jesus. They didn't let pride stop them from crying out. It's time the church puts the pride to the side. And we don't let that stop us from crying out. Do you or your family have a need today? While they sing, go ahead and start singing.